The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tasking. Trust your audio to task him. Sound thinking. of Wookiee Radio. I don't know why I paused like that. <laughs> anyway. Because you're brand new at doing this. You've not done it and you've not done it that long. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah okay. The best. Speaking of that, I, I counted numbers up of all three, well, all four shows that I do now. And I did not, I did not count the episodes I did not appear in. I have recorded over 910 podcast episodes. Damn. Wow. So, yeah, I'm still new at this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Plus your award-winning mic. I was going to get there. Uh, <laughs> Wookiee Radio and, um, and one of the other shows I do, Mighty Marvel Geeks, uh, we entered the, uh, the first time they had a podcast track at the L.A. Sci-Fi Film Festival. And Wookiee Radio took away three gold awards and a silver award. Uh, silver award oh. in best special interest podcast. Um, gold award for best podcast host, best film podcast, and the Bigfoot Award. Which Bigfoot, uh, the Bigfoot Award is, um, I think, a judge's choice award that comes from all entries that were submitted. Nice. So, um, and then Mighty Marvel Geeks took Gold Award, Best Special Interest, and Silver Award uh, for Best Podcast Host. So, between the two shows... Because we're the better host than, um, than them, those guys. <laughs> well, between the two shows, we, we swept the Podcast Host category and the Special Interest category. So, um, heading into Christmas, that was, that was good news to have for the shows. Mm-hmm. Something nice to have under the tree. Yeah. So, um... 
on the show with us, with us tonight, Ken. Um, Derek is not able to join us because he has to be at work early and has to be up even earlier because his co-host from the Falcons Lounge over on the New England Society of Geek podcast is Jim. And y'all are getting dumped with snow. And since he has oh, yeah. to, and since he has to be at work even earlier, he had to get up earlier so he could do something called shoveling. <laughs> yeah, we got like eighteen inches coming, so oh, I don't miss. <laughs> See, it. I'm lucky. In Ohio, <laughs> we're just getting the northern edge of that as it goes by, so we got about a half inch, maybe an inch, and that's all I'm getting. Um, I've been watching the blob has been getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and the totals more and more and more. It's like no, uh, no, I'm not ready, but it will be a nice white Christmas. So uh, the voice you heard. Earlier Earlier, um, that has that nice Aussie tone to it because he is an Aussie. Uh, is Neil from Empire Motion Pictures? Um, just so you know, I'm actually British. Uh, my mistake. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know but you I did lived, live there for a while. Yeah, that, I guess that's why. Yeah. Well, I guess certain words you you do have a a uh, Aussie twinge to. I probably do. Uh, if if you compare me to, uh, let's see, who's somebody we. we um, Steel Wars, you know the the yeah yeah, podcast yeah. Guy. yeah he's got a very broad uh, accent and uh, it's I'm not this I don't have the same accent as him let's just say but okay. it's uh, well he's from a different part of Australia as well but, you know, well let me pose this question you you say British are you Welsh obviously not Scottish Welsh English uh well. Irish? I'm no, yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm uh, I'm English. Okay. Uh, I was born in the north of uh, well, sorry, I was born in Southampton where the Titanic was launched, and then I lived oh, cool. in Yorkshire in the north, so it's kind of close to Scotland. And my DNA indicates that I am actually having had it tested. I'm actually a, a Viking, so I'm a 68% Scandinavian. So I am a, a true Viking. Uh, because the Vikings came across from right. Denmark, you know, well before. And all my family have blonde hair and blue eyes and are very, very tall, except for me. And uh, I'm so I basically have the right to carry a sword in public. Oh, that, <laughs> and, that, and that explains the, the approach to a lot of your films, too. Exactly. Which I love. <laughs> I love your films, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and you know that because we talked about it many times. And from Star Wars by the MRC Tech, we have Sean. Well, good evening, everyone. Just your local Philadelphia teacher turned Star Wars podcaster turned nerd tech person. I'm a variety of different things. That's why it's by the MRC Tech. Mr. Cool. C is my last name. Begins with a C. So awesome. That's kind of where I hail from. So it's great to see you. Great to be here. And I'm excited to get started. And last but not least, uh, we had fun when she was on the show. And I think we hit maybe too close to home with a lot of things, um, especially with season two. I mean, a lot of stuff we talked about. And we have Jessica, who now is a podcaster with her show, Stories by, by Dark Saber Light. How are you doing, Jessica? I'm well. Thank you for, so much for having me back. Told you to bring you back. We have fun. Yeah. So we did. We had a lot of fun, and I think that you're right. It was it was fun to uh, to uh, have me on before season two, and now it's kind of fun as we're coming up to yeah the climactic final episode to kind of see where we're at now. Yeah, kind of that full circle thing. Didn't think about that. <laughs> I just thought it'd be fun to bring you back on. <laughs> um, so. 
since we're going to talk Mandalorian and we're going to talk about, um, I don't know, the Death Star blast of what Luke, Lucasfilm and Disney dropped on us last week, uh, which I will just say, oh, mercy. Um, Why? What happened last week? Oh, well, we'll discuss that after we talk about Mandalorian, oh, okay. the, this last episode of Mandalorian. Uh, I have a listener question that is perfect tie-in to go into this episode. Um, this is from our friend Michael, or not Michael, our friend John. I'm sorry. Uh, and he said uh, his question is, um, where did I put it? What? I had it and I lost it. He wanted to compare who was essentially better, Boba or Din Djarin. Um, he goes, uh, what, do you, what do you think about seeing Boba Fett without his armor as well as checking out the inside of Slave 1 for the first time? There we go. And then who would be the better, who's the better warrior, Din Djarin or Boba Fett? That's the second half of that. Can you repeat the first part of that question? Uh what did you think about seeing Boba Fett without his armor, as well as finally getting to see the inside of Slave One for the first time live action? Well, I know seeing Boba Fett without the armor, we see that um, he may have been in the Sarlacc pit for a while. And it looks like he's pretty rough, but it looks like he's been eating well. Yeah. Compared to what we've seen of Boba Fett before. Or he's Especially been with the armor back on. He looks like he's been drinking a lot. <laughs> Yeah, he's got that sort of bloat. Well, we not nothing. There, there's no reference either of how soon he came out of the Sarlacc pit either. Yeah, we don't know how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. So I, I have might. heard a rumor floated out there that it could be something like he had a um, beck and call on the slave one and just came and blasted him out. <laughs> Good hat. Well, he still has his backpack. Who's to say he didn't exactly. repair it? He didn't repair the backpack and blasted his way out that way, too. So I, I would assume, assume something really went wrong because he didn't have his armor. So somehow he got out of there, lost his armor, and somebody else found the armor and he was trying to find it. So maybe maybe uh, he got out of there and the Jawas found him, stole his armor because it's apparently that stuff's worth a lot of money and left him for dead. And he sort of crawled back to life and has been chasing his armor ever since. And, hmm. You know, that's possible. Uh, and I, I mean, I thought his scarring was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. It was definitely worthy of uh, somebody who'd, who'd been through a lot. So, you know, if you look at the visual clues, uh, a lot has gone down. And I mean, that armor was really beat up. And that's so the Jawas wouldn't have done that. So, you know, he's obviously had some, you know, some situation. It'd be nice if they tell that story. I mean, there was a rumor about the Boba Fett TV series. Right. Um, which I don't know what happened to that, and I'm sure yeah. that from what from the rumors I've heard out there, it sounds like it's still it's basically it's on. It's a matter of when they're going to do it, and that may be the story they're actually looking at. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good story. That's to tell. kind of It'd what be, I'm thinking too. Yeah, it's a yeah. short it's a short run, like the way they're doing um, Obi Wan, because we know Obi Wan's a single season, just a couple like six episode. I think that's what they're looking at for Boba, also, or maybe like a collage. I think so too, and I think that uh, Tamara Morrison has said. I mean. This could be him just hiding the way that all actors kind of have to do while we're in the middle of a season. But he's basically said that he does not know yet how Boba got out. So it's not something that's going to be revealed on Friday. But I think it definitely could be is uh, whatever show he gets. Right. Well, I 
and I was going to say, typical Filoni with, with the way he likes to um, dodge things. He probably just, between him and Favreau, because Favreau's learning quite well from Filoni as well, um, the, the F Troop, we could call them, they're probably only giving them enough information that they need. Because if if he asks, you know, how did Boba come, you know, get out of the Sarlacc, they're going to go, uh, you probably don't need that right now. We'll talk about that later. And just hasn't been brought yeah. up. I could see his show staying within what they're calling the Mandalorian timeline, but then referencing his escape from the Sarlacc pit as maybe of a two-episode arc, but then it ends up post-season two of Mandalorian for the rest of the season, uh, right. creating you know what I'm thinking is going to happen is like this giant CW crossover movie, like many years down the line when there's a common enemy, sort of Avengers-like, where they have their all they all have their own storylines, but we got to bring the gang together to take down this common enemy. So when we get into the new shows that we can kind of explore that a little bit, but I don't think they're going to go back in the past for Boba. Boba is cool right now, the way he is. He's got his Benjamin Moore matte paint right now. He's got his ship back. Everybody's excited. We got to push forward now with Boba and see, see what he does with, you know, his character. I mean, it's funny you mentioned the paint. Do you think it was too much? I mean, obviously he puts a fresh new coat of paint on there. It it (laughs) only, To me, it looked awkward compared to what we've seen with the armor in the past. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to go around with, you know, dingy armor. Come on. I mean, you just got it back. You got shucked by a Sarlacc. You get, you know, stolen by Jawas. And then, you know, you finally get it back after all these years. Mm-hmm. You know, Think you about know. the action figures you're going to get, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll be brightly painted. And then there'll like- be something will happen to it. Look, look at, look at Din, Din's armor, mm-hmm. how it's evolved. They're not afraid to make things get dirty and messed up. So one battle, and he's going to be Boba Fett's going to be. Uh, I won't say back to normal, but he's going to have some fresh scars on his armor because that's. I mean, I know I would do that. And you think about the merchandising possibilities, apart from the the baby Yoda. The sorry, I'm sorry, um, Grogu. <laughs> apart from him, what do we want to buy? We want to buy the Mandalorian. Now we can buy Boba Fett. Now we can buy. Uh, Oh, the slave one again. Yeah. 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 You know, I knew I have, I have friends with a lot of toy collectors and they were so excited for Mando. They'll get the carbonized version. They're doing, this is pre season one and they're, they're pre-ordering all this stuff. And at the end of the first episode, he's in completely different armor. And they were very upset that all of a sudden he's in this new best car. And they're like, well, I guess Hasbro is going to come out with another toy for us to buy because it was completely different. So it's like, that's your Neil. You're hundred percent right. It is a merchandising thing. Well, well, well the, the thing the thing with Disney, this is uh, as I'm actually a Disney stockholder, um, and you know, not by a lot. But what I have learned about Disney, if you actually look at the breakdown, most of their money is made from merchandise and you know, princess costuming. Believe it or not. Mm. More than anything else, you know, the movie part is like I believe ten or fifteen percent. Most of the money comes from the merch, and. Uh, you know, it absolutely makes sense that, you know, they're going to do this. And I, I think it's wonderful. It, I, it, I mean, it, it, it's the, it's the merchants, the parks. Yeah. Because with, you know, when oh, you have, oh, sorry, you, you know about this. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. I mean, with, with the, with the 12 parks being down for four to four to six months, you know, where there was no gates open at all. That was a major hit to Disney. Mm. Um, now that you've got uh, the four here, uh, 
here in Florida. Um, Hong Kong's back open. Shanghai's back open. So you got six, six of the 12 or six of the 10. Yeah, six of the 12. Because I'm not sure about Tokyo. I think theirs are open as well. So eight of the 12. The only two, the only four that aren't open at the moment is the two in California, Disneyland and California Adventure, and the two in Paris, because Paris had opened and then they, they closed again. For, but I think they're only open on the weekends for the holidays. Mm-hmm. But that was a lot of money coming in there that the company is missing out on. So the second source of their income was merchandise. And I mean, I think that's what Lucas knew when he created Star Wars is the money's in the merch, not the films. Yeah. And look at how much, how much gold he's raked in from merch. I think he still gets a good share of Star Wars merch today. Good share of the percentage. I, th- I know he. I know he's a stockholder, so he gets a good. You know, gets something yep. through that. And uh, oh, he got a whole lot of stock. So <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And and he was very happy. I mean, that's why I keep investing more money into into that. Um, you know, because from my perspective, this is how I make movies and. Uh, I, you know, to me, it looks like movies, are, the cinemas are pretty much dead and might stay mostly dead from now on. Uh, whereas, you know, I, I figured I started looking at the streaming thing and I had a gut feeling that the only thing Disney could do would be before the announcement would be do a whole bunch of streaming because it's, that's that's one of the only places you can make money. Right. Um, and I actually had a guess on that, and I, I put it just about every cent I had into Disney stock. And uh, it, it went, you know, it's going up, and it keeps going up. Yeah. Um, and the reason it's going up is because there's so much hope for the future with Disney. Disney's got the biggest hope of all the streaming services right now uh, by a long shot. And I think we're very, very lucky that – Star Wars is along for the ride and Star Wars is not with Warner Brothers, you know, because you wouldn't get the same commitment to, you know, great action figures, of course, but really good stories. And they're really pushing the stories, right? which, you know, I'm happy about that because, you know, opens the doors for people like me. Right. So, um, so. this this latest episode, uh, Chapter 15, The Believer, uh, pretty much starts off on the prison planet where they're going to go get Mayfield. Uh, what was y'all's thought with that whole sequence of events there? I really was not expecting, like, I, I did not understand why Mayfield was back. I did not understand why they name dropped him. Like, I was like, why, why is he back? I really just didn't understand it. And then, like it, but like it was pretty quick into the episode that I went, okay, there's a character here, and this is a guy worth exploring. And I thought, like, I just like looking back on it the se- second and third times that I watched it, like on the the prison planet and seeing, you know, what he's doing and how he's serving his time and having Kara come in and bend a bunch of rules to get him out. I, don't know, I, I was not really expecting much from this episode, and then it just totally blew me away. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I saw it, and um, now after that episode, I've. I, it's almost like I think I see the pattern. So if you watched last season, he went around all these um, places and met all these different people. So in the last episode, he needed to bring together a crew. Well, now after finding, um, going to find, uh, what's his name again? 
drawing a blank. Mayfield? Yeah, Mayfield. Mayfield. Now that he's picked up Mayfield, he's got Mayfield, Boba Fett, Fennec Shan, and Cara Doom to help him go up against um, the um, yeah, Moff, Moff Gideon. 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 So there's your, crew, there's your army, yeah. finale crew for this season. Which yeah. Once we get to the end of this, I have some crazy ideas for this. <laughs> yeah, but you also got all of those offshoot stories because each one of those characters, including... Uh, um, uh, uh, Carl Weathers' character. Grief. Uh, yeah. They they all have like, they all have this huge mm-hmm. backstory. So there's all these little side stories or, you know, collection of stories that you can actually create a whole series yeah. out of of just those backstories and those interesting things and how they all kind of intertwine. You know? And I mean even Grogu or Baby Yoda or whichever one you want to call him these days. Um, you know, I mean, he's got a very interesting backstory. So, um, you know, I, I, I like how, how Mando is, you know, the Mandalorian has kind of brought all those stories together. And now and this gives, I think, Disney an opportunity to really expand on the universe in kind of the the way that they want to. The way that, you know, we found that we can explore the universe of Star Wars in a in a different light other than having to deal with just, you know, the Skywalker saga, which I think, you know. I think it's, you know, it's not a poison pill, but it's very, it's well-tread. So, you know, right. I think Rogue proved that those stories are what interest the, the, you know, the fans the most. So the Mandalorian just expanded on that, and now it's opened up a whole new universe, all within that time frame, too. So, you know, you, you still have familiar characters, but now you have... You know, a much broader tapestry. Okay. Yeah, well, I think that was one of the major differences with this season compared to last. Was um, this last season? All the stories in the end ended up coming back together into this one story. This season, we've had two or three "quote unquote" backdoor pilots that you're ready to they're ready to spin off into something else because they didn't have to do as much lore building this season because we already knew the story of what was going on from the first season. Yeah, so they were able to add these extra ones, like you're I, saying, so that we have can do spinoffs out of that. Yep, Bo-Katan, Ashoka. Um, I think that's the point, though. What I about that is this is a very well, great story. They're not sacred. It's also a tool. Last season was basically a million-dollar audition tape for each director coming. And I think that they, they got a crew of really directors and they brought most of them back. This season is a million dollar proposal tape for actor pilots. This yeah. is this is yeah. where we're getting the expansion. And But I think that's really good. This is exactly what I always said Disney should have done when it acquired the franchise. They should not have been, you know, just, just passing off the, the sequel story to a couple of director and writers who had not before they should have done a show like this to get people get us some new writers new directors have people prove themselves kind of in different directions and then kind of sussed out where do we want to go now that they're doing that i'm feeling exceptionally confident about the future as we've gotten these these new shows coming up the fact that things are supposed to be pretty well connected and i think that it's all because of this this kind of slow build storytelling that's allowing that all to be created as this show is nearing. You know, for me, um, this is the one thing I keep thinking about, you know, 
because of this virus thing, we don't have a number one movie in the world. We don't have an Avenger, you know, an Avengers movie or anything else. The number one streaming thing in existence is The Mandalorian right now. So technically, this is the number one film. This is the Avengers Endgame or whatever it is of the year. And Disney is, you know, because of the streaming thing, they are making money from this thing. And even though it only costs them, well, it only costs them $100 million, or no, $80 million for the season, whatever it costs, um, this is the number one movie of the year, technically speaking. And... Uh, you know, I, I think it, it's it's a sign of good faith. You know that we don't okay, we don't have a Star Wars movie. There was a che- there was a chess series that did really well this year, um, but it was eclipsed by the Mandalorian. So it's you know it actually bodes really well for the future because uh, it just means that just as you've seen the announcement of ten other TV series is right. Uh, it's it's possibly the real future of everything. You know. And I, you know, I, I agree. It's a backdoor pilot, and we, the, whoever sells the most action figures and becomes a fan favorite will get the series. Right. <laughs> well, one of, the, one of the other cool things that I that I noticed, and I, I heard this mentioned for a uh, certain karate uh, TV show that we all uh, know and love from our childhood here in America. Um, the, the way that they, the show producers, actually, you know, laid it out was that it's not a. a it's not a series. It's not a miniseries. It's a 10-hour movie. You know, they have 10 episodes, an hour apiece. It's a 10-hour movie that they just kind of sliced up into little bits. So to keep people coming back and back and back and back for more. So the way that, you know, we look at these series is that they're not just like, you know, a series. It's actually like a long, one big movie. You know, in The Mandalorian's case, it's like seven, you know, six to eight hours. But you know, it, it's it's definitely the future, and I think that I think you're on the right path. You, you, you definitely hit it. It's it's the way to to prevent having to put actual intermission breaks in the film. Yeah, or the big production costs. I mean, like you said, you did it for eighty million. You did a, basically a, a, an eight hour movie for eighty million, and those are good. You know. Now, um, so once they get Mayfield, they go to um, this next planet to try and get information on where Gideon is, where the fleet is, and they grab a stolen they, – they steal an Imperial tank, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> the juggernaut. And, um, mm-hmm. and and there's a great conversation between Mayfield and Mando in this in this tank. And, you know, there's the question of, you know, the rules about his helmet and not taking it off to uh, Mayfield and the toll of war on him and on real people. And and we get a really good perspective of, of uh, Mayfield and, and his view of things uh, as we really get some really good character development of Mayfield here. Um, uh, I, like, I, I love Mayfield because it's, it, you know, the character, the, the, the person who plays it is Bill Burr. Who's a, a Boston-based comedian? And, I mean, now I think he lives out in L.A. But you know, like his humor is so so much New England. Like, and if you're not from New England, you don't really kind of understand what he's what he's really doing. He's he's irritating the crap out of you most of the time and poking you and prodding you, you know, and and total you know total busting your chops every single chance he gets. So, like, I, I like the Mayfield character. I'm glad they brought him back. Um, Neil, as a director, what did you think of? Um this whole sequence in the tank of how it developed. 
Mayfield and even how uh, here's Mando in the hover tank driver outfit or a hover tank driver outfit. Um, how he's still carrying on with no nope, helmet doesn't come off. Well, I I think they're making a point there. Um, I mean, first thing, I, you know, that the Mayfield character, the the actor is is. I've had a few problems with some of the side actors in this. You know, as a director, you can pick good actors and some actors who are just, you know, average. And there's no bad actors in the show, but some of them are just, you know. Uh, this this Mayfield actor was amazing. And he almost stole it. He almost stole the episode from, um, you know, The Mandalorian, which is an interesting point. You know, that's a sign of a really good actor. If you, you, know, you steal the scene from the lead, the lead, you've got something going. So, you know, in that sense, um, I thought it was interesting. I, lo- I have to say, I love the cockpit. I, you know, as somebody who has built mm, six, seven spaceships in his life, uh, I really thought they did a, a kick-ass job at the, the cockpit. It was so simple. There's just a bunch of black stuff with red and white buttons. And I was just like, man, this, this cockpit's incredible because of the view. You know, it had a, had a real-world feel. It felt like something real and tangible. And it looked like it was an easy build, but it was genius. Um, as far as the, you know, the, the whole thing, I think they're trying to make a point about the Mandalorian, you know, changing his uh, opinion of helmet wearing because that whole conversation was there for a reason. You don't do a conversation like that in a, sh- a movie or TV series without it having a point or having it resonate later on. And, you know, John Favreau is too good, too good a director or producer to, to, to right. not make that pay off. And, I mean, you know, just stepping ahead a little bit when he got to the Imperial base, you know, they, they forced him to get his helmet off. He got scanned into the computer. So they they know his face no matter what. Mind you, this thing did blow up, but maybe there's a database. Maybe they have him on record now of, of what the Mandal- Mandalorian looks like under the helmet. So Yeah, but they have that uh, face. But they don't have any name connected to it. True. Oh, that's true. You see that? Well, but Mark Gideon knows him. Yeah. Yeah, but, well, he wouldn't, but remember, he's, he's, he never, he's never wearing the any Mando armor going into that base. So th- there's no thing to say that that's who this is. There is nothing there that the Imperials have seen that says this is the Mandalorian or this is Din Djarin. Yeah, because he could just be some other schmo that went along yeah. with him, walked into the base with him. Yeah. Well, to right. piggyback on Jessica's point, but Moff Except that- knew who it was. Back in season one, by name, yeah, yeah which means he he's got him. He knew him by name, but he wouldn't have known him by face, which is well, we don't, well, we don't know that he's ISB. He knows a lot, you know. Yeah. If he was on Mandalore yes, at one point, Din, yeah, he was he was the he was part of the Mandalorian. Din has the, said he's worn the helmet since he was a child. Yeah, yes. he's also changed his mind very frequently in this season. So who really knows what's going on? Well, <laughs> I think. Well, um, but that's the thing is that we've already had a we. We've already had a payoff for, you know, I think that the conversation itself in this one was almost a payoff of what we've seen so far. You know, this I, I, I think that it would be really interesting to think of what how, what would have changed about this episode had Din not met Bo-Katan. Because she's the one who clues him in to the fact that he's been raised in this cult, that Mandalorians look differently from what he's been told. And he has not confirmed that yet. He hasn't seen the armorer. But even the next episode, right after that, we get the scene uh, with him raising his helmet just to take a drink of of, uh, water in front of Grogu. And we see see him progress from somebody who... Mm -hmm 
is so ready to call out Cobb Vanth, ready to call out Bo-Katan, ready to call out Boba Fett for not being what he thinks Mandalorians look like. And then at the end of the first Boba Fett episode, he admits that the armor belongs to him. After saying that armor belongs to the Mandalorians, it's ours, it was taken from us in the Purge, he explicitly says that it belongs to Boba Fett. And so what I think is so interesting is that Bill Burr's character, I mean, he, it, it was so, it was, this was such a fun episode because there's so much that is happening with Din's character in that scene, and he doesn't say a word about it. But we've seen the progression going on this right. season, and so we we can fill in all of Din's mental, um, you, you know, all all of his thoughts as as uh, Mayfeld is talking about all of these ideals and these philosophical um, nuances that are going on. Well, we we also see too um, where you know here. Here's Den meeting, you know, Boba Fett after he's taken the armor and finding out. And then, of course, with the re- revelation of his father, Jango, was a foundling, making him essentially a foundling. Um, that and, and his mask is off and he's willing to take it off. But yet the only time we ever saw him with the mask off prior to was in Clone Wars. When we see him in the films, it's always mask on. So it's like you just take it off when you're not on duty, but when you're on duty, the mask stays on type deal. So I found it interesting when Den goes to the console to get the coordinates. The impression I got was from Mayfield is in order to go in, you have to have a facial scan and be recognized by the computer or by the system. But with him having the PTSD, he couldn't go do it because of being recognized by the one officer. Yeah, afraid of being recognized by the one officer. So the impression I got was even though he wasn't on, wasn't completely listed by name or whatnot in the system, Den's face was already in the system. No, 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 they used a code cylinder. Yeah. No, I think the, co- the code cylinder scan, is what gets them in. Yeah. The code, the, the facial scan was just to make sure you're not wanted anywhere. You're not in the system as an yeah. enemy of the Empire. Okay. It's also a paper trail. So whatever coordinates he got is now attached to his face. Mm-hmm. So if they, they pull that eat. record, yeah, if they pull the record, they, you know, they'll get that, you know, that black and white photo like they, of Mayfeld, you know, in the system and they'll have his face. So, I mean, Moff obviously is going to go, who pulled these coordinates? You know, he's that's he's going to clue into that. Yep. Obviously, they're going to fight, you know, something's yeah. going to I mean, down the line, I'm sure there'll be we'll talk predictions, but that's coming into play. Right. 100 yeah. percent. Right. Well, sure. Also, I took with the whole helmet thing was um, they've spent an entire almost two full seasons explaining that he does not take this helmet off for anything and he's been softening this season yes but I think they were also pushing that that is how much the um, Grogu means to him Mm -hmm. that he would actually break the unbreakable vows that he's taken that can never be done for this child. And this child is the only one that could actually get him to do it. And then he's going to do what he needs to do to get it done. He sees himself in this child. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is this, his son, basically, at this yeah. point. Well, and then and then stays with the helmet off the whole time Mayfield, you know, goes to talk to him before they walk out, before they get interrupted by uh, the one officer, 
which I thought well, he was wasn't a, able to put it back on. Which I thought was a great cameo mm-hmm. from the guy from Game of Thrones. It was <laughs> yeah, brilliant. He was, he was. We we talked about him in length on on the last episode, and we just described him as really slimy. Just mm. you know, just, just, just like he was in Game of Thrones. He was slimy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all it's all candor and the way he talked. And yeah, that was a bad day. Oh. Was it? <laughs> I'm not surprised Mayfeld, you know, lost it. You know, eventually, you know, it's just like, hey, you did what you had to do. I never saw your face. Deal. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, what, a, what, thing I, what a great scene. Yeah. The other thing I thought was really cool about this was um, it shows that um, the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, is this phenomenal bounty hunter. He can do all this stuff, but he still is totally clueless to, like, Imperial procedure. Because when the he officer is, comes up and asks him who he is, yeah. he has no idea what he means at he's, all. He's so clueless to the to the galaxy. No idea what the Jedi are. Loose loose knowledge of the Empire. His cult has really suppressed any sort of influence, which that's what they wanted to do, so they did it right. And just like Jess, you were saying, this episode, Mayfeld acted as that catalyst to make the final decision that maybe I need to let go of some of these older ties. Mm. You know, we got to break through this mold here because if not, then I'm going to lose the kid. Well, I, well, I'm not surprised that yeah. he doesn't really and know. And that's, exactly, that's exactly why it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why this, this episode is so interesting because what what would he have done if he was in this situation at the end of season one? He he was not he did not even want to take off his helmet when he was dying and it was only going to be mm-hmm. a droid seeing him. But it's because he's dealt this whole season with the question of what it means to be a Mandalorian and what does being a Mandalorian look like that he's even able to consider the idea that it's that, that he's not just giving up his entire identity. Right. But then that, of course, like we're saying, was also paired with the fact that he finally recognizes that this child is more than a quest to him. And I think that that's exactly what um, he starts recognizing once he meets Ahsoka, yeah. because she's the one who says, you're like a father to him. That's where he's got that moment in the ship where he's got to grapple with the fact that he's planning to leave Grogu mm-hmm. with her. Yeah. And since then, I think the dynamic has been so much more you know, of a father-son dynamic. And that's obviously um, also supported by the end of this episode as well. We, I, we, I, I, yeah, I was going to say, I had a really interesting question. The uh, The Imperial officer said something, said a quote, uh, people don't want freedom, they want security, or whatever it was. If mm-hmm. that was. Order. Order. Yeah, I was, okay, I was watching Snowden, uh, the movie, mm-hmm. uh, last night, and they had the same quote in there. Like, you know, because they're talking about the NSA, you know, yeah. spying on people and all that sort of stuff. The exact same quote came in. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, is somebody making a point, you know, because mm-hmm. that's it was kind of like they were stealing the quote, kind of like George Lucas stole George Bush's quote, you know, back in Revenge of the Sith, I think it was. So I have a, I have a, I have a feeling they planted that in there. But what they're saying is, okay, the Imperials, you know, are carrying on like the NSA or something, spying on people and mm-hmm. stealing all their information. And you know, I, 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 I thought it was a, it was a weird thing to hear that quote twice in a couple of days, you yeah. know. And, and, and uh, they, had read that, they had read that quote on the TPS reports. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and Neil, it's, it's interesting you say that because, you know, and I don't know where you stand with your book reading, but uh, 
the whole point of the first order is exactly that first order. Mm. And that was their philosophy right off the get, you know, and that was in, I think that was in the Phasma book, if I remember correctly, was the explanation to that. Sounds familiar. You know, so it's like, you're, it's totally right. You're, you're people, I'm a teacher, so I live inside the boundary box of a classroom. And if, as a teacher, if you, if you allow the students to run the classroom, you're not going to have a smooth running classroom. So really first, the first thing you do on day one and two is order. These are the rules. You have to follow them so we can have a good experience in here. So it it raises a lot of levels of question. You know, first order, you know, they're they're also tracking down children. I am not in my classroom. No shackles in my classroom. But, you know, it's it's very interesting. It's an interesting point. Like we do as a human race, kind of. We we you know, we're one light switch away from chaos. If there's no electrical grid, mm-hmm. there's no internet, everybody goes to bed at five and there's candles. You know, it's very it's very interesting. We're not too far away from chaos, you know. So order is kind of the convenience yeah. of the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's also a very broad political mm-hmm. philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the two sides of, you know, uh, you know, chaos and order. You know, order is, you know, everything is security, everything is about keeping things in line and in in keeping things everything in in you know within a boundary whereas the chaos theory is the anarchy and destruction and uh, death and devastation so well, i mean it, it kinda, goes back kinda, along it kind of touches too on um, you know the last 20 years now as just, well just the last year you know just well, since even, may even just the last year but i mean it still touches across you know all parties all politicians mm-hmm. you know of the last 20 years well and that's the thing is that what's what you have to remember i mean the quote is you know people want you know people don't want freedom they want order but but the thing is, is that people don't want any order. They want the order that they deem to be the positive order mm-hmm. right. because nobody, nobody wants anarchy. Nobody wants, you know, you know, the, the complete individual autonomous freedom that just leads to anarchy. We all want various levels of order. It's just if you are looking at, you know, different sides of a political spectrum, cultural spectrum, you're going to have very different ideas of what order means and what what order is positive and what order is negative in terms of restricting individual freedoms. And what I think is interesting is that this season has gone out of its way several times to remind us that even though we get the return of the Jedi, which is absolutely the ending that you need at the end of a hero's story, everything is not just happily ever after after that. And the New Republic has a lot of issues. And I, I like the fact that they've been exploring that idea of just because the Empire is not in charge doesn't mean that everything is hunky-dory, especially for lots of different planets, especially in the Outer Rim. And what your idea of order is, is definitely going to affect the way that you view the political situation that's going on in the galaxy at this time. Right. I mean, if you think about it, you can actually be very sad that the empire is gone. I mean, there there are people who really enjoyed the empire, enjoyed the order, enjoyed things that were very regimented and, you know, weren't offended by it. They... They benefited from it or they just felt good about it and were like, you know, hey, this is the way things go. So, I mean, you know, politics is very is very 
perspective. I mean, it, it it really is from the individual's perspective on, on on where you see things in life and and you know what what means something to you. You know, so. and you got to think the galaxy of millions or billions of star systems and all these billions of races of there's probably large areas that the empire was just the ruling government. They didn't, they didn't deal with stormtroopers. They didn't deal with um, the war at all. They were just, that's the bureaucracy that were that's running. So they had as much freedom as everybody else because that's the empire allowed them that much freedom. Then there's right. the other places that we see in the movies because it's more interesting to see conflict mm-hmm. <laughs> that we saw the places where the empire had was cracking down so hard I mean, yes, it's an oppressive government, but even in oppressive governments, there's also there's all kinds of places that don't feel that oppression at all. Yeah. Right. It's just that these are the guys in charge. So they never even they never even hear about everything else going on. Now, to, to wrap chapter 15, we see that uh, Kara and, and Den make up this whole side story of, uh, well, Mayfield kind of died. Mm-hmm. So giving him yep. a chance to reinvent himself and 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 since he he has redeemed himself by taking that taking care of the demon that was maybe the cause of what his crimes were and he finally got to confront the actual person and make that kill to go okay and, and when that happens we do see where Mayfield has more sense of relief you know, and we see that weight lifted off his shoulder um and they allow him to just stay on planet for now who knows if he grabs another ship and takes off for somewhere else but I don't think that's going to be the end of Mayfield. Um, I wonder, because this is going to kind of segue into mm-hmm. final topic of the night. One of the new shows announced was Rangers of the New Republic. Mm-hmm. Could this be a Cara Dune-led series? And if yeah. so, could she go back and recruit Mayfield to be a part of this? I'm all about it, and I love it. Bring me more Mayfeld in Rangers of the New Republic. 100%. This is backwards Suicide Squad. Yeah. 100%. This is what this is. What this is. And they're going to introduce like suicide, some new characters. It's yeah. like Suicide Squad meets A-Team. Yeah. Um, bring in Boba. Hey, listen, we need... We need Need your expertise. Bring him. Bring him in for a few. You know, uh, bring this guy in for a few. Maybe it's a tag team. Maybe it's a duo between Karen and Mayfeld. You know, they repaired Fennec. the relationship. You know, Fennec. Yeah, absolutely. Fennec they repaired the relationship in thirty minutes. You know, from Imperial hater to well, I guess he's not so bad. I've nice, nice shot to I wasn't going to let you go, but now I am. So like that relationship, you know, is budding. That's it's very interesting. I'd love to see Rangers of the New Republic with familiar faces and new faces. Yeah, yeah. I think before he fell out of favor, Chuck Wedding's books, uh, you know, the aftermath series had kind of a very similar uh, thing with uh, Nora Wexley and uh, you know a former Imperial and a former bounty hunter and. Uh, um, you know, it, 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 I think it, it was a, it was a very good dynamic. It was a very, it made the story kind of go along, uh, you know, pretty well. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't kind of explore that kind of, you know, right. that kind of, you know, set up in, in, in something else that, you know, that includes like, you know, you know, Cardoon and, and, you know, you know, that cat, that band of characters. So I really, I really, I think, I think, it, like I said, I, I think with the Mandalorian, you're seeing those little offshoots and, and the different possibilities and maybe not a, a, an entire series on those, but, you know, maybe a collection of, of, right. you know, individual shows or mini little mini series in the, yeah. Right. I'm actually seeing, I think that I'm, I'm actually going to push back and say, I don't expect it. I think that, I think that, Yes, it was purposeful in not 
Okay, I'll be honest. When Mayfeld saw Din's face, I thought he had put on a red shirt. I thought that that was his death knell because he would have had to die. Because, he, again, just like um, IG-88 in season one, it's symbolic. You know, he, he can't have anybody running around who has seen his face. But that's the point. Now he does. And Din's okay with it. He does have somebody who's running around who has seen his face. And that's important to Din's story from that perspective. But I think that I think that Favreau and Filoni are being very careful about this now. This is the second time where both Fennec Shand and Mayfeld were supposed to be one-off characters. And they brought them both back because they really liked the actors, liked the characters. And so I definitely feel like it's leaving the door open for more. But I don't necessarily, if I see, like, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that I see him, like, becoming, like, a major part of a new series in general. But that's no. just my speculation. Yeah. Is, it, is it also possible that, um, right, you know, because I was trying to ask myself, what's a ranger? Because we've got the marshals of the New Republic. We know who the marshals are, but perhaps, you know, like I thought back to Lord of the Rings and they spoke about the ranger and you see basically it was the, uh, the king, you know, um, uh, Viggo Mortensen in the dark was a ranger with a hood and stuff. And he was kind of a Jedi type character almost, you know, in his abilities and fighting style. So maybe because the Jedi are kind of extinct and they have a bit of a dirty name in the, you know, brown people, maybe Ranger is in fact a Jedi and they're trying to reinvent themselves. Because I would like to see that series, you know, a new type of Jedi Academy thing. See, my, my, my thought was seeing Rangers of the New Republic was a Texas Ranger type series. Now, here's a bunch of marshals. Because the Texas Rangers were the marshals of Texas. They were called the, you know, Texas Rangers. I, I kind of saw that aspect of, okay, we're going to bring together a bunch of marshals of the Republic and make them the Rangers to go around to clean up, you know, major trouble situations. You have a group to go help other marshals in the area mm. or, or other marshals or, that may need the help. So they get to have X-Wings at least. Yeah. Or you can go with traditional, like a traditional Ranger, which is basically like a, like a military unit or military, you know, There's component that, that, that go out and they just, they get things done. They don't, yeah. you know, they don't Sounds need a lot like the early Jedi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, they could be Jedi or yeah. could be led by Jedis or, you know, a band of, you know, former Jedis that have been kind of in hiding and now they're popping up and going, hey, we're going to, you know, kick ass and take names. Yeah. My idea on this as a possibility would be um, this may be because it's just the name and they didn't give us any information at all. This may be, um, it'll be more than likely live action, but it'll maybe the Clone Wars style series where it'll be an anthology of multiple characters and multiple stories depending yeah, on what too. they're what they're doing two or three episodes of this two or three episodes of that to actually get because rangers bring to mind um moving around to the everywhere so this could be actually what's going on in the galaxy now right now yeah, I sort of, and these guys yeah. are the ones beaten down and um fighting the empire here fighting smugglers there or fighting the um the gangsters over here 
I wrote down a, a little plot line that basically says, will they be seeking Imperial remnants? That's established now that they're around. And uh, will they be sent around on odd job missions to bring order to the new Republic? Well, you know, that's, yeah. and just it's, it's funny how we just had this whole chaos and order conversation. And I had that pre-written down on these <laughs> well, my notes and I was like, oh, man. Here we well, go. What's to say, too, if you've read or listened to the Poe Dameron Freefall book, who's to say that the, the New Republic group that went to go try and rescue Poe from, from the Spice Pirates, from the Kajimi Pirates, that they weren't Rangers as well? Mm-hmm. And that's the type of group we're looking at. Yep. So uh, another show announced, Ahsoka, but that was kind of already... Not a shocker. Um, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series really wasn't a shocker. Um, but Hayden Christensen being confirmed was mm-hmm. a nice title. Yeah, and it's like, okay. Yeah, that, how, how in the world are they going to do that when he's supposedly not seen Obi-Wan for the, this whole time? <laughs> until well, until I, 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 got an, I got an answer on that. I got an answer. And I will quote from, you know, old Ben Kenobi. Uh, He's, oh, I think it was him anyway. He ceased being uh, Anakin Skywalker and he became Darth Vader. So Darth Vader is his new persona and Darth Vader said to Kenobi, we meet again at last. So it's possible that they met again as when he became Darth Vader. And, yes. you know, that whole perspective thing. You know, it's it's possible that the, the, the weird line, though, was when I left you, I was but the learner, now I am the master. And that's not true either. So maybe Vader has a uh, has a fall, you know, and and Kenobi tries to you know get him back to the to the good side, and right. you know that might be the whole master master you know master uh, apprentice thing again, when he was Darth Vader, and I, I would find that a very interesting story to see you know Kenobi talking uh, you know you and McGregor talking with um, Hayden Christensen and, and trying to bring him back from the dark side. And having an attempt at doing it, and something goes down where they just it just goes wrong. I mean, that's a story, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. And he, he's called Darth Vader. He doesn't call him Anakin uh, because and, he, he became Darth Vader. You know. Yeah. And to that point, Hayden Christensen has only been confirmed as Darth Vader. I do think I, I think that we're probably going to get Clone Wars flashbacks. That's been rumored quite extensively. I think that we'll see that. Because I can't imagine them bringing Hayden Christensen on and never seeing his face. Mm. But I have, like, I also, hey, I thought that Obi-Wan never left Tatooine. I didn't want him to leave Tatooine. His mission is on Tatooine. But after Ewan McGregor came out and was like, we're leaving the planet. He has said they're going to a water planet. They're going on a rollicking adventure. And then I went, you know what? I'm going to let wait and just let the storytellers justify this because there really is nothing that says this can't happen. So I, 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 as, as somebody who was very much against this, now I'm kind of like, I'm just going to let him tell the story. We'll see how it changes things. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have a lot of things to criticize when it happens. But I'm so excited when when I heard about this. And nothing says Bail Organa hasn't called upon him to do one-off missions off and on like he Mm -hmm. was uh, putting him at task to do for the Death Star plans. Yeah. And as long long as Obi-Wan leaves voluntarily and meets up with Vader, you know, has, has a confrontation, escapes, and then and leaves there's nothing to you know, like it, it doesn't jeopardize him hiding on Tatooine right mm-hmm. yeah well I, I, you know I, I was gonna say that the, the best part of 
Rogue Rogue One was the Vader stuff. Yeah. yeah. And they they they're they're learning from that. You know, yeah. okay, so we're gonna give you the Rogue One TV series. We're also gonna give you the Darth Vader TV series, which is Kenobi. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of they're 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 weighing on the fact that okay, this is the stuff the fans like. Let's give them more of that Vader stuff we saw at the end of Rogue One. Um, I'm sure that's the direction they were going because I know I would. I wouldn't yeah. wouldn't hold back and say, look, let's go complete, you know, right. let's see Vader and let's see Obi-Wan Kenobi face the Emperor again and get, you know, there's a reason why he looks so old in, in Star Wars Episode Four. It's because he copped Force Lightning or something, you know, right. or something um, went down really bad, you know. Yeah, you just mentioned the Rogue One series. Of course, Andor, uh, the sizzle reel for it looked awesome. I really excited for this series um to get a good spy series in star wars be great uh eventually i hope this leads to uh us getting a f- another spy series based around the both and spy network in the future as well um then yeah we saw a little bit more with the bad batch and we come to find out fennec is making an appearance in the bad batch and apparently, I was not excited for Bad Batch, but but the, the the things that have come out recently have made me exceptionally excited to see what this show is going to be about. And, and I, I'm intrigued too that I'm intrigued too that the Bad Batch at the moment is part of the Empire as well. Yeah, well, it's an interesting it's time. To. Yeah, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting transitional time because it's post Clone yeah. Wars, pre pre you know empires really in and you know are they going to go through some conflicts of well we used to fight for them but we kind of don't fight for them how are we going to get paid on this next job yeah you know yeah. What, what are we going to do yeah. so I, I think I was with you Jess I was like I'm I'm probably going to watch it but I'm not going to really watch it I'm like in the background and then I'm like all right well they're making connections to Mando I appreciate that oh this is an interesting time okay I could I could play in this playground I'm, I'm okay with it I, I'm also really excited because again I mean this is we're working off so little right now but today uh filoni gave a an interview saying that it's going to be very clone Wars style where it it sounds like it's going to kind of be like the anthology style of little arcs Mm -hmm. uh, kind of exploring different adventures in different places that's that's really exciting to me but there's also a cup there's also a shot that definitely looks like it's concordia the mandalorian moon and i'm really excited Excited because I think I mean Bo uh, Katan's already been rumored to be in it. They're bringing in Fennec. I can't imagine that they wouldn't bring in Katie Sackhoff too. Um, so I think that we could be seeing the Imperial occupation of Mandalore and Bo-Katan being evicted from the planet. And I'm really excited about that and, and era maybe, in Mandalorian history as well. And maybe we finally do get to see the Purge. Well, the Purge happens after Rebels. Okay. The the purge the okay. purge happens yep. during the original trilogy. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, n- n- these next two series, uh, both animation, uh, I'm excited for a droid story. I'm curious to see how that plays about. Because uh, I'm a big droids fan. Um, and love astromechs. Uh, there's a lot of astromechs out there. Uh, a lot of protocol droids. A lot of just droids in general. Curious to see. And then this next one, um, um, basically a ten episode series that's bringing different Japanese anime studios together to bring us Star Wars Visions. Yeah, which is the name. This this show super excites me. Excites me. Have you, have you seen the shorts on like YouTube? 
Yeah, if it's on, that, on, if it's some I, of that stuff, that stuff. Yes, yeah, more. Yeah. Love that. It sounds like it's basically a, um, a, an on-screen television version of the old Visions comics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And and then last but not least, the acolyte. Like, mm-hmm. let's let's go ahead and so throw good. it on the let's throw it on the table now. now. Who are you expecting to see in this series? I'm going to start with you, Sean. Start with Sean. Well, I mean, so it's toward the end of High Republic. So we need we don't know really anything yet. Yeah. And how you know, is this ten years before the end of the High Republic? Is is are we are we close to Plagueis Palpatine sort of stuff? Like how how close are we getting there? Uh, the second thing I wrote was is this going to be like Indiana Jones but finding Sith artifacts? Because I'm down for that. Um, so I mean outside of, outside of I mean I love the term acolyte. I think it's gonna be the sleeper. It's really the truth. Group unknown. We have no reference, right? You know, and that's what makes it both scary and exciting. Because we got to see what these books are going to be like in January. The comics, the IDW stuff, all that fun, all those fun things. I love the collab. I feel like they're following in Marvel's footsteps. Steps, you know, getting all of this this material that they can then pull from ten years down the line. We're going to be having this conversation, and we're going to be like, ah, oh, remember when High Republic came out? This is the best. Yeah. That they can you know, so that's kind of um, I got high expectations for Acolyte because I'm I'm all in on Hyper Public right now. What about you, Jessica? Any anyone who you would like to see featured or your expectations on the show? Yeah, I haven't really thought too much about who, as opposed to I'm just so intrigued by the idea of the High Republic. I'm really excited for the books to come out, and I love the feeling that the artwork for the books is already given. This idea of kind of you know, it's still very Star Wars, but it's got this fantastical feel to it which I think is I I hope is going to work fantastically because Star Wars is a space fantasy and so the fact that they're kind of distinguishing the feeling but also making it distinctly Star Wars that excites me because I think it'll be a great way to bring in this whole other saga and so I look at that and I think could that aesthetic be what's going to be a direct inspiration for the Acolyte Jim, what about you? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm at a loss of who exactly they're going to kind of bring in, but I, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that I, I'm, I'm really anxious to see, you know, what they do with the High Republic story. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a, you know, a, a great way to kind of break free of the current, you know, lock and time frame. Which, which we're sitting now and kind of get back to uh, a kind of uh, more, you know, romance period of, you know, you know, of the galaxy and right. and kind of right. this this very uh, renaissance almost okay. uh, of of, you know, of, you know, the Galactic Republic as as it was at its at its high point, you know, before. You know, a lot of this stuff went on, but so I mean, maybe maybe the acolyte is what the the original emperor. You know, I'm trying to, trying to remember my time frames here, but that that original emperor that everybody, I don't, I don't know if it. I've read so many books that were were canon at one point, or now they're legends and this and that. But there are characters that you can pull from there that um, that could fit the bill. Okay. Um, you know, 
but, but yeah, no, I'm excited. I want to see it. What about you, Neil? Neil? Uh, I, it's funny. I had no interest in the High Republic whatsoever uh, at all. At all. And, and because, and I'll tell you why, it's just, it didn't seem to be a story, it just seemed to be a concept. Yeah. But when I saw Acolyte, I, to me, it looked exciting mm. in the sense that, okay, I, 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 I hope we see some evil Sith witch with, you know, big red lightsaber and some really dark, violent, evil stuff going down. And, that, you know, that's the feeling I got. I actually got a little feeling that maybe there's a bit of passion and, and interest behind the person doing this. You know, and, and that excited me, you know, more than anything. It's more so the, the uh, you know, and I mean, segue into the, the, the uh, you know, the Rogue One, uh, uh, sorry, the Rogue, uh, uh, Rogue Squadron movie. Again, no interest. Then I saw the passion behind it from the uh, uh, the director. I thought, wow, I want to see it. So, you know, when when you are channeling this sort of stuff with somebody who really wants to do it, really gives a damn about the product and wants to do something, something kick-ass and badass, Acolyte looked to me one of the most promising things I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ken? Ken? Um, I don't um, know anybody specific because we don't know any of the High Republic characters yet. Yet. Okay. So, but uh, actually, there is a ch- there is a chance because Neil, you had an interesting point about seeing a cool Sith witch. Over the last year or so, we've heard a lot of rumors all over the place, and a name Darth Talon been thrown around. Mm-hmm. And we've already seen from other um, EU character, old EU characters being brought in that they'll change where they're at. But you still have the same character like Thrawn. Thrawn was brought in and put in before a new hope to start with start with yeah so what what's the chance that maybe this is where they decide to bring in darth talon talon when, when i saw the oh, acolyte mentioned been, my my it, initial thought went it, especially since we've seen the revan black series figure almost has a high republic vibe to his mm-hmm. costume costume mm-hmm. Maybe this is the start of the. Of, there's a master. There's an apprentice. Master is Revan. And apprentice is Talon. And this is their series. Yeah, I'd pay money for that. Possible, possible. Yep. So, um, Sean, where can people find you online? Oh, my goodness. Well, you can find me at my website, themrctech.com, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, if you still use that, at the MRC Tech. Uh, you know, the, yep. uh, the yep. podcast. If you if you search at MRC Tech, that's the whole idea. If you search at MRC Tech, you should be able to find something out there. Uh, we're excited to talk about the finale. That'll be the next episode on, yep. on our docket. You know, so we're, we're, we get up at 5 a.m. on Fridays because I do not trust the internet, and we will <laughs> make sure we handle all of that at detail without spoiling any for anybody. Um, and you know, and talk about it over the weekend and really rock and roll. But this was great, Mike, and uh, oh, thank you for having me. Have no problem, Jessica. Where can people find you online? Yeah, uh, the uh, the podcast is Stories by Dark Saber Light, and we're on uh, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Dark Saber Light. Uh, and those are probably the, the the two biggest things to note. But uh, yeah, we we've also we're a new podcast. And so all we have been doing are, are reactions to the, the recent uh, episodes. And it'll be exciting once the season is over to um, start delving into something new. new. Yeah. Jim, what about you? you. Well, I, I don't I mean other than my personal email, but you can find me in the New England Society of Geeks and mm-hmm. um, 
And through through your side, I mean, normally Derek usually handles this one, but (laughs) (laughs) no problem. Neil, what about you? Uh, You can find me at at www.empiremotion.pictures. That's the that's the whole website. Empiremotion.pictures. Or director Neil Johnson on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. And uh, the Time War is coming out. Hopefully, twenty twenty one new TV series for Netflix, Hulu, or something else. And it's it's epic. I can't wait. I've been Derek and I have been waiting for a while for this. (laughs) We're we're gonna get you over on uh, uh, Weeby Geeks. You and Tracy when this comes out. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, um, from us, and I'm going to speak for everyone here, if that's all right, from all of us to all of you, our smugglers, our listeners, uh, have a happy holidays, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, uh, for Wookiee Radio, this is our last show of the year, we will be back, um, the first weekend of, after New Year's, um, partially because I'm having surgery on the 21st on my knee. So I'm going to be laid up for a couple of weeks and recording's not going to be an option for at least a week. So, um, but happy holidays to everyone. Ken, any final thoughts before I pull the trip? Yeah, I have, um, um, this may spawn uh, a bunch of stuff and it may not be popular, but I have an idea for, um, remember we're recording this before the final episode and looking at, um, the Mandalorian track record, I, I, I'm predicting we actually will see the death of Boba Fett in the final episode <laughs> and the, the man and Din Djarin takes over the slave one now that he doesn't have his own ship. Yep. Ooh. Ooh. That's what I'm thinking now, too. That's because the big rumors being that Boba Fett, the series, is a limited series before the Mandalorian. Yep, yep. So we get to see they brought him back to give him a warrior's death, and then he hands off the ship to Din Djarin, So Din Djarin doesn't need to find another ship. Interesting. And he gets a final I think that that uh, that's that's my prediction as well. And I think that that's basically just because it's it's storytelling 101. It's exactly the same reason why I knew in Force Awakens as soon as. Ray was showing that she could fly the Falcon. I knew either Han or Chewie are going to die because we've got a superfluous pilot. Right. Didn't need the ship. Boba's got the cool ship. Yep. Yep. And and can I add a wrinkle that I think he'll be killed in Din's armor, armor as part of a, a ploy. Since no oh. one knows who Din's face is, he will trade his armor off. And you're welcome for that. You can think about that on Friday as it happens. You heard it here fast. <laughs> I bet you just if, spoiled it. If this, ha- if this happens, Sean, I'm hitting you up on Twitter and going, I hate you. Well, you're never allowed you back. You My lowly 340 followers will think. Thank me later. <laughs> <laughs> the other one that's an easy guess, and everybody already knew this was going to happen, is we're going to get a um, duel between Din Djarin and uh, Moff Gideon, where Din is wielding the Beskar um, staff. Yeah. yeah Minus armor. He's going to get hurt. Come yeah. on, Grogu. Heal my boy. Let's go. On that note, there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2! <laughs> what 
if he doesn't survive. He's worth a lot to me. He's worth a lot to me. What's new on the 42 cast? Let's ask my co-hosts. We're talking about Doctor Who. Comic book shows and movies. And we're talking about all things Star Trek. (laughs) And so much more. Check us out on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and iTunes. It's only on the 42 cast. Your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. So, Nathan, when are we finally talking Babylon 5? This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This has been a Weeby Geeks production.